the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. All through this Gospel, John is driving us toward belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope and pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Would you turn with me to John chapter 13? I've entitled the sermon, He Loved Them to the End. John chapter 13 says this, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, To betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If then you're teaching you an example that you should do, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The Lord Jesus, throughout his life and ministry, 
constantly redefines what it means to exercise authority. There is no human being that has ever lived with a fraction of the authority and power of the Lord Jesus. No other person has ever had complete authority over the people who are mocking or deriding them. No other child has ever possessed wisdom beyond the most respected scholars of the day. No other infant, while being carried around by his or her mother, has ever upheld the entire universe. But Jesus did. And yet, at the same time, while there's never been a single human being with a fraction of the authority of Jesus, no other person has ever lived and served more humbly than the Lord Jesus. No one has ever exercised humility like he did. To take him upon himself the, the form of a servant becoming a human being and then submitting, humbling himself even to death on a cross to live his entire life as a suffering servant. In a world where there's a perpetual desire to advance oneself, Christ Jesus can shock us with his humble love. And in a world that invites you to love yourself first, to have grace for yourself first, to self-focus, self-care, and to self-promotion, Christ Jesus invites you into something else and something better, a humble love that places others above yourself. This is challenging, but it's beautiful, and we see it beautifully exercised here in John chapter 13. There are three parts of this passage. They're all delineated. That's the technical term. They're delineated by the same repeated phrase. The passage here is showing us clearly that Jesus is a man devoted to humble love and service and care, but also that he's God who has all power and knows all things. And so this phrase was picked up by somebody that I study with on Tuesday. That phrase, he knew, he knew is what delineates the passage for all of us. So take a look in your Bibles. If you can uh, just take a look with me, because I want you to see this. It's kind of cool. In verse 1, it says, when Jesus knew. Now, if you have your own Bible or a scripture journal, you could just underline that. Then if you see verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father, so that's the second one. You can underline that if it's your own Bible. Uh, And then the last one is in verse 11. It says, for he knew. So that breaks the passage up into three different sections. It's an important thing to pay attention to repeated words and phrases like that because they can help us understand what the passage is doing and it can help give us a deeper insight. So so here are going to be the three things that we talk about this morning. First is a knowing love and second a knowing service and last the knowing betrayal. Let's start with knowing love. The passage begins by telling us that he loved them to the end. The end of John chapter 11 through this, the beginning of John chapter 13, they make a turn in the gospel of John for us. John's doing it pretty intentionally. He loves throughout the gospel to sort of signal what's going to be happening. And as he writes John uh, 11 and 12 and 13, he brings us into a place where we realize what is about to happen. The very beginning of John chapter 13, uh, you know, sort of completes that for us by telling us that this really is the end. You probably notice it when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. John 13 makes it clear that this is the moment that John's been signaling towards throughout his gospel. This is the moment where Christ's hour is at hand. Within his first miracle, he said, my hour has not come. Now he says his hour is at hand. This is the moment John's been signaling. This is the hour where Jesus 
is going to die. And then he's going to rise again from the dead. It creates the tone for this section. This is serious and somber. The death watch has begun. It also tells us that as John has signaled that we're about to see the death of the Lord Jesus, it's important for us to focus our attention on him, what he's doing and what he's saying. These are among the last actions and last words of his life. If someone that you know and love is about to die, their last words are very rarely frivolous words. If you know you're about to die, you do not waste your words. You do not speak about frivolous things. You speak about what's of most importance. If you know that you're about to leave someone, you wouldn't be like, have, have my son come talk to me. And then the, your son would come and be like, son, I really wish I had picked St. Peter's to be in the Elite Eight. That's just not something that you would say. For those of you that don't understand the reference, the NCAA tournament is going on. The biggest Cinderella story is St. Peter's that has made it to the Elite Eight. And I wish that I had picked St. Peter's to be in my Elite Eight because I would have felt very, very smart. But you wouldn't waste your last words talking about the NCAA tournament. That does not matter. Rather, a better example is given to us in the live-action Cinderella. Uh, as, as Ella's mother is approaching her end, she calls for her daughter. Ella's mother is on her deathbed and knows that she's not long for the world. And so as Ella comes into the room, she says one brief phrase, have courage and be kind, is what she says. I'm about to go. And so I want to give to you the words that are most central, most important. I want to demonstrate through my actions and words, my hope for you as you continue on because my time is short. It's the end. And so Jesus is going to act and then he's going to speak and our attention should focus in on him. And John 13 tells us it's the end so that we might focus in this attention. And with this action, he demonstrates his love. It's glorious. He loved them to the end. The disciples have given Jesus plenty of reasons to be exasperated, plenty of reasons to be angry, Plenty of reasons to be frustrated. Throughout John, they're regularly earthly-minded when Jesus is giving heavenly truths to them. And yet, he loves them. He loves each of them to the end. He loves Peter. He speaks to Peter specifically in this passage. He loves Peter, knowing that Peter is within 30 hours of denying him three times. Denying him so aggressively that he does it with a curse. He loves all the disciples. And he knows that every one of them, except for John is going to scatter and abandon him. And he loves Judas. Even though Judas has already capitulated to the devil and will betray Jesus to death within a few short hours for 30 pieces of silver, for blood money, yet Jesus still loves him. All of this helps us to understand the beautiful love of the Lord Jesus. Now, this is not just a syrupy love. This is not just a feeling good about his disciples. He doesn't take up the towel in order to serve them, knowing that he's just overcome with how much he likes these guys. Jesus isn't saying, ah, you devil-possessed Judas. I can't help loving you, you little scamp. It's not that sort of way of approaching this. It's not the way that Jesus is approaching his end. He acts for their good, knowing all of the ways they are about to fail. This is what true love is in the scriptures all throughout. 
not a feeling, not liking or just being like, it's not a big deal if you do stuff that sort of bothers me. Love is an action, being patient with another, being kind, not envying, refusing to boast, refraining from keeping records of wrong, not being easily angered, shunning evil, rejoicing with the truth. This is what biblical love is. And in the face of betrayal and denial and abandonment, Jesus continues to be kind, continues to put the interests of others before his own, takes up the towel and puts them in the place of respect and honor and takes upon himself the place of scandal. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, more from Pastor Derek in our series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. We pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And this takes us to the second knowing in the passage, and that's a, a knowing service that Jesus offers. In this second section, we have the most shocking verse. As verse 3 begins, we're told Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. So this is the section where Jesus, we're given an insight into the thought life of Jesus and into the fact that Jesus recognizes that the Father has given to him all authority. All authority. Jesus knows all things. And he has all power. All things have been given into his hand at this moment. And so the expectation that all of us likely bring to the passage we read it is, okay, so Jesus has all authority now. This is the point where he gets to expose Judas as the traitor and cast him out of their fellowship. And where he, he you know, starts to really take authority and control and, and takes the, the seat of his father David so that he can rule Israel. Because now he has all authority. All things have been given into his hands. But the shocking thing is at the moment where Jesus realizes that he has all authority, he takes up the towel and takes up the role of the most humble servant. This is the exact opposite of whatever we might expect. If you were given all power and authority, if you possessed all knowledge, how would you use it? Would you have St. Peter's go to the Elite Eight? Sorry, I'm really stuck on that Elite Eight trip. Let me, let me use an illustration that, it works for me. I, admittedly, it might work for 3% of the congregation. All right, so say you're playing a video game. Already, I may have lost 90% of you and you have been given invincibility and all of the powers of the video game, would you then turn and wash the feet of the NPCs in the video game? All right, it it didn't land. All right, I'll take that out for 1045. I'll put it this way. CEOs don't tend to have the smallest office. When you're choosing teams as a kid in grade or middle school, you don't tend to choose the worst soccer player to be on your team first. And in every other pagan religion, God simply don't take up the role of a servant. But that's what Jesus does. He takes up the role of the lowest servant. The role of the person who was tasked with washing feet was a role that was only allowed for Gentile servants. It was considered too low for any Jewish person to engage in. 
And so in a household, it was only a Gentile that was allowed to do it. There's a famous story of this time where there was a rabbi who, after, this, after serving in the temple, came home to his family. And once he arrived home, his mother asked to wash his feet upon returning. And he refused, saying that that was too low a role or a task for his mother to take up. He would not allow it. He would not allow a member of his family to wash his feet. It was too debased of a position. And so his mother, and, and I love this, what his mother did was uh, choose St. Peter's to be in the, sorry, okay, I'm done, last. (laughs) What she did is she sued her son. She took him to court for the privilege of being able to wash his feet because he would not allow it. And so she went to court and she said, yes, I understand that ordinarily it would be unacceptable for me as a Jewish person to wash the feet of a normal person, but because my son has an elevated role because he is a rabbi, it's not too debased for me to wash his feet. That was the argument that she made in court, took her son to court for the privilege of being able to wash his feet. That's all that's recorded. I don't know what the decision was, but the argument was that because he had this exalted role, it was okay for her to wash his feet. Here it's Jesus who has the exalted role. He is the rabbi. He's the rabbi. And the one with the exalted role washes the feet of his disciples. This was a position so low that he wouldn't have been given permission in court had he asked to wash his disciples' feet. And Jesus, who has all authority, stoops to wash his disciples' feet. And the disciples are obviously embarrassed. And Peter expresses that embarrassment. Lord, no, you're never going to wash my feet. He realizes what's happening. He realizes that Jesus is the one with all authority, that Jesus is the one with all the glory, that Jesus is the one with all the power, that he's the one with all the knowledge. And so he recognizes that this is totally not the way that this is supposed to go. It's, you know, people who are exalted don't serve like this. And so Peter's like, I don't even want to have a part of all of this. And you can understand his motivation. He's, he's, he's seeking to honor Jesus in all of this. But Jesus tells him, no, 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 unless you let me wash you. You have no part of me. There's an important message in all of this. To serve Jesus, we must be washed by Jesus. And that takes us to something that is embarrassing potentially for us today. It, It was embarrassing for the disciples to have Jesus serve them in such a way. But if you're not washed by Jesus, you don't get to have a part of Jesus. It's the same way today. I was studying the book of Hebrews with a group of pastors recently. And one of the things that one of the pastors said is, why does Hebrews have to talk about blood so often? It's like in every chapter. I mean, it's just a little bit too much. Why do we just have to talk about blood so much? There's a, there's a group that I'm a part of, a group of, um, it's called Liturgy Fellowship, and there were, was a, a post about songs that talk about the blood of Jesus, and one worship leader said, you know, I don't really like to sing songs about the blood of Jesus. It's kind of embarrassing. And there was a whole thread of worship leaders who were like, yeah, no songs about blood in our church. It's just a little gross. It's a little embarrassing. But I got to tell you, unless you're washed by the blood of Jesus, you don't have a part of him. And I understand how maybe odd or gross or embarrassing that might sound. But the only way for you and me to be clean from all of our sins is to be washed in the blood of Jesus. Is to realize that as he was nailed to that cross and as he shed his blood there, that's what you and I need to be pure and clean. And if you want to be a part of Jesus, you need to be clean by his death and his blood. It's the only way to be right with God, to know that as Jesus bleeds and dies, that it's for you, that it's to wash you, that it's to make you clear and clean and pure, and that he's done it for all of those that might trust in him. 
If you want to serve him, if you want to be a part of him, you need to be washed by him. You need to be redeemed by him. And, and Peter misses the point again. And I just, I love Peter. He's probably my favorite disciple because he's the most like me. He's just like always bouncing from one extreme to the next. And he's like, all right, well then wash my head and my hands too. And Jesus is like, just the feet, man. All right. You're not changing this role. You're not going to make it more honorable by bringing the feet and the head into it also. It's, it, it's just, it's just the feet, man. I love Peter. Maybe your heart is the same sort of way. Like one time you're like, on one side, you're like, no, that's not possible. And then you jump to the other extreme and Jesus always brings us back to being centered on him and what he offers and what he does. Then he concludes with um, the big challenge for all of us. We encounter the last he knew and that talks about the betrayal. And as he continues on, Jesus has full knowledge of the fact that Judas is about to betray him to the ruling uh, governing authorities and that they are going to put him to death. Jesus is aware of all of this. Jesus has eyes open. None of this is taking him by surprise. He's not shocked when Judas walks out. He's not shocked when he betrays him. He's not shocked when he needs to carry the cross. He's not shocked when he needs to shed his blood for you and for me. He will not be shocked when he rises again on the third day. None of this surprises him because he knows all things and he has all power and having all power and authority, being aware of the betrayal that's going to come to him, he gives to his disciples a charge. He gives the same charge to all of us. It's incredibly challenging. He acknowledges his rule and his authority. You call me teacher and Lord, verse 13, and you are right for I am. If then, if I then, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet for I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. And then he talks about how a servant's not greater than his master. You and I, all of us who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are his servants. We're no greater than him. And that means that if we are those who follow after him, we need to have the same sort of attitude. He set us an example so that we might do the same sort of thing. The call for all of us in John chapter 13 is to love each other and serve each other with the same, so- the same type of humble, self-giving love. When Jesus invites you to be one of his disciples, he calls you into something that is extraordinarily challenging for those of us who have our souls shaped by this world and culture in which we live. He calls us to shun all of the power politics, all of the glory of the age, and to act like he acted. Jesus, when he saves and redeems you, has brought you into an extraordinary place You and I, all of us who trust in him, we are going to rule in a position of incredible power and authority. And yet, as we live and act in this world, we're called to act like Christ did in humility and gentleness and love. We're called to take on the role of the most humble servant. We're called to take the least part, to seek to honor others. We're called to try to lift up others, especially Christ Jesus. We're called to decrease so that Christ might increase. This is about as challenging as it gets. I know in my mind and in my heart that Jesus calls us to sort of kingdom that doesn't make sense in worldly terms. He calls us to humility and self-giving. He calls us to an upside-down kingdom where the last will be first and the first will be last. And yet, all too often, I want my own glory. And how so often or so easily it can be gripped by pride. You know, when I'm in a group of people, I, I, I want people to at least if it's my family, I want my, f- my kids to think I'm strong, you know, and funny. Because I know they won't in a couple of years. 
But for right now, while they're five and three and zero, I want them to think I'm strong and, and funny that their dad is somebody. I don't want to be an embarrassment to my kids because I have a place with no honor or authority. I'm guessing that your heart's probably in the same sort of place. It's hard to choose the path of obscurity and of humility and of self-giving and of dishonor. But it's the path that Jesus took. And he said, hey, as my disciples, you get to do the same thing. But the beautiful thing is that he says, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And it's a reminder that as we receive him and as we pattern our lives based upon him, we demonstrate the fact that we want him, that we want Jesus, that we want the father, that we don't want all of the glory in the honor that the world can give, which is so fleeting and temporary, but that we want Jesus, that we want a kingdom that does not perish or die, that we want a kingdom where, where the king washes the servant's feet, not the other way around, that, that we want a king where the, the, the king leads in the front, shedding his blood for the sake of those behind him, not the other way around. We want a kingdom that will not spoil or perish or fade away. May God help me. To stop standing so much and start kneeling more often. To stop being served so much and start serving more often. Because this is the way of Jesus, who loved his own to the end. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.